0: I just want you to know that this is God's woman for this day. Jen, come on, and, this. Oh, and then I forgot. I'm holding a piece of paper in my hand. Don't you know this? Her message today is good deeds hold glamour. Hold glamour. Hold glamour. Okay, first of all, my pants are falling down, my underwear's riding out. Um, so just so you know. Uh, Jill, that was beautiful. I didn't deserve it, but thank you. He, He deserves it all. I want to say how much this room touches me, and it makes me want to cry. America could learn a lesson from this room, that we have come together and we love each other no matter what. So congratulations to you and this church and Barbara and her husband and all of it. Okay, I do run a ministry for moms. I actually started it about 10 or 11 years ago, but we became a nonprofit about a year ago. I'm going to start with a little bit of mom humor, because I run a ministry for mothers. This would be my daughter, Georgia, when she was about two and a half. She and I were taking, her name was Georgia Grace, she and I were taking a bath together in the bathtub. We were both naked. I don't know if that's anti-social services or if that's a bad thing, but we were both in there together. And so she was at one end of the tub, I was at the other, she was looking at me and she said, and I'm sorry to Brian in the back for this particular story, Mom, you're so cute. And then she said, and those boobs are pretty. And then she said, it's a good thing that ladies' breasts fall down because otherwise they would be in their eyes. Right about now, I could use some boobs in my eyes. Okay. The name of my talk is Good Deeds Hold the Glamour. Um, And it's ironic. I thought I really should just come out here without makeup and, you know, nothing looking somewhat glamorous, because because the point today is not about glamour at all, except it's to be anti-glamour. I have a story to tell you about my glamorous life. I had two dreams when I was little. One was to grow up to marry my nursery school sweetheart. The other one was to become a television reporter. I did marry my nursery school sweetheart. I've known him for 48 years. We used to sleep in a little like nursery school mats together. We would try to be right next to each other, and now we get to sleep in a great big giant bed together. <laughs> um, so that I did do that, and then I did become a television reporter. And I want to let you know that TV was my religion. I, it was my idol. I became my own idol. I thought I was more important because I was on TV. People thought I was more important because I was on TV. So I got accolades for that, and I got lifted up for that, and it became my god to a certain respect, in a certain respect. I want you to see a little glimpse of what I used to do so I can make my point better today about glamour. Uh, Brian in the back is going to play a little video of me when I used to be on TV. Um, The only thing that you may notice the most is the 1980s, 1990s hair.
1: So we will go ahead and play that
0: video really quick. For and, Bear. and I'm Jenny Dean in Ted Henry. A family from Akron has an amazing story to share tonight. With the latest from L.A., NBC's Jenny Dean is live outside the Queen court building this morning. Check that here! Good morning, Kay. As you said, another blood sample was revealed yesterday. This terrible tragedy is, of course, devastating to relatives and friends of the family. Jenny Dean is live outside of Vesco Field to explain what happened. Jenny? Well, three, so there was a small snap food today. Jenny yes. is at our update desk with the very latest chapter in this back and forth between the and the governor, okay? It has turned into a fierce chapter. And he shows off his muscle to prove it. Show oh, me. So and speaking of United We Stand, that one should walk today. United Together in Standing for America. Okay, that last question was actually from another talk I gave about whether or not that was prominent, what I was doing, or whether it was significant. I would argue to that to you that it was prominent. Uh, when I'm reporting on the news, just I'll t- let anybody yell it out. What kind of stuff was I reporting on? Tragedy. <clears throat> Tragedy, negative fires, car crashes, crime, right? And here's the irony. I wasn't really giving anything good to the world. I was giving them bad news all the time. And yet when people would see me in the grocery store, they'd say, oh my gosh, you're on TV. Can I have your autograph? And people would lift me up as though I was important and thought I was important. And then the, the interesting contrast was, when I left television and became, quote, unquote, just a mom, nobody thought I was important anymore. I can tell you, nobody was walking up to me in the grocery store and saying, oh my gosh, you're a mom! Can I have your autograph? <laughs> you know? And and God quickly began to show me how the, how the what the difference was and how our culture has it flipped and how we're honoring all the wrong things in the spotlight and all the wrong things on the screen and we're forgetting to lift up The values and the people that are making a difference for God in this world. And he had to to tear me off of that screen, give me babies, put me in sweatpants, and no makeup (laughs) to change my life and let me see him. I was not a follower of Christ, so I'm going to tell you briefly how it happened that I came to be and how everything changed and how he gave me a specific message for you today. This speech is new for you. Uh, I was a television reporter in Cleveland at the time and... And I also worked here later in Denver. By the time I was on TV in Cleveland, I did a lot of reporting. I did some anchoring and thought I was all that and a bag of chips and thought I was really important. Um, and I got a lot of attention there. A new news director came aboard. Uh, my contract was up. He said, yeah, I'm not interested in rehiring you. I am want my own people. So right after I had our son, I lost my job. And I was going to be one of those you know, long-time, full-time career women, and I was going to put him in daycare and everything else, and I suddenly didn't have a job. So as you can imagine, because TV was my religion, I suddenly was without value, meaning, sense of self, sense of importance, and I crashed. And I went into a postpartum depression for about a year and a half. I was in a very dark place. It's one of those, you know, I think some people think it happens younger in life, but it's one of those times where I was questioning what's it all for, what's the point, we're all just gonna die someday anyway, this precious baby of mine's gonna die, There's there's no meaning to all of it, there's no worth, I just felt black about everything, really dark about everything. Does that make sense in a dark dark place so uh, we moved to Denver I, I started to be on TV a little bit full time or part-time here and uh, I also was raising my little baby boy at the time and then my daughter came along as well uh, I was feeling so bad and so bad about life that I thought I gotta get over myself I am the blessed woman I gotta get over myself so I was starting to talk to God in these days, and I said, you know, I, I want to find a new place. And so there was a Special Olympics that had come to town, and I thought, you know, if I volunteer, maybe I can get over myself. Maybe I can just concentrate on other people. And if those kids cannot lift you up, I don't know who can. So I went down to the Special Olympics. I began to volunteer. I remember walking around the garden at the Special Olympics thinking, this is not helping. Uh, I'm not feeling better. I'm not, I, I, I can't get over my, this feeling of darkness inside of me. So I later that day went to my parents' house and they weren't there and I was with my little boy, I think he was sleeping in the car seat, and I remember just falling down on their master bathroom floor. And I have to tell you very briefly, I grew up in a family of all non-believers. They're mostly intellectuals, they have their PhDs and their master's degrees, it's very hard for them to believe that the Bible is not a fairy tale. It just seems too simple and too good. So I grew up in a family just thought that the, the Jesus saves thing was kind of a funny sentence. Now now my parents get offended when I say that because they take Jesus seriously, but they don't believe that the Bible's the truth, they don't believe in heaven, they don't believe that Jesus is the only way if that makes any sense. If anybody has intellectual family, you know what I'm talking about. So it's hard for them to get there. <clears throat> so as a result, I did have kind of a, a faith in God most of my life, but I couldn't get there. I couldn't get to Jesus because of the way that my family talked. So I remember crashing down on their bathroom floor and just saying, I don't care what my family thinks of this sentence but I'm just going to say it. Jesus, will you please save me? And so I got up off that floor. I went up to our house in Bailey, Colorado. We live in a little tiny tiny town called Bailey. My husband wasn't with me. He was still at the Special Olympics. I walked into the house. I went upstairs. The house was dark. Flicked on some lights. Flicked on the radio. I wasn't a Christian yet. I didn't listen to Christian music. Flicked on the radio. Put my little boy down on the changing table. He was about one and a half years old, so not real talkative, okay? So I put him down on the table. Uh, As I'm changing him, he begins to reach up for me. And another thing I need to tell you about my clothing mishaps is that these, my, this is too tight. So it's a little hard for me to do this. Um, okay, so he, he reaches up for me to pull me down. And I thought, that's weird, he's never done this before. So I let him pull me down and I, you know, lay down for a second. He's a boy and something's aiming right at me. So I get right back up and then I continue to change him. He did this same action where he would reach up for me to pull me down probably four or five times. I remember the last time I looked into his eyes, he wasn't saying anything, but he was insistent on the fact that he hold me. I remember the last time he did it, I thought, this is so strange. It's like he's a man and he has the seriousness of an adult and he's very insistent and would not take no for an answer. So finally, the last time I thought, I'm just gonna let my little boy hold me in his arms. So I let him bring me down and as I lay there in his arms, I began to hear the song that was on the radio. And what was on the radio was, What a friend we have in Jesus. In his arms, he'll take and hold you. You will find your comfort there. So I stood up and I thought, if I don't believe it tomorrow, I believe it today. Jesus reached out to grab me through the the arms of a little baby, a little baby boy, much like 2,000 years ago. And I stood up and I I realized that he had saved me. And he saves me every day. And that's what changed my life. So here's what happened. He had to take me out of the spotlight and, and bring me to that place of humility of just being a mom so that I'd be much good to the world from there on out, okay? Your, your verse today is, uh, then you will live a life that honors the Lord, and you will always please him by doing good deeds. And I wanted to concentrate a little bit on that. So for the last half of my talk, I want to talk about that. God kind of had to level me. to bring. I mean, I may look good right now, but you should have seen me when I got up this morning. Okay, I mean, I'm being serious. He, he, I think we have this image, especially in a privileged country like this, that we have to, we have to drive something that, that, that is you know, worth a lot of money, that we have to live in a big fat house, that we have to have a size two dress, that, that we have to have a certain kind of a lifestyle and career, all the stuff that's held up in that spotlight I was talking about, or we're not of much good. And for God, it's the opposite. And he recently unfolded this lesson for me, and I gave a part of it to another church, but I, but I made it new for you guys today. I want you to consider the humility in which God, the humble place where God works, the very, very humble place God works. Ladies, I've been working on Channel Mom for 10 years, and God has kind of kept it real small to keep me real humble so I could be of any good to any mom. And I thought about the walls of Jericho, and I don't know if you, I'm thinking most of you are very familiar with the story. So they're going to march on the walls of Jericho, and these are guys, and they're an army, and they think they're tough and strong, and they're big guys, and they're going to go in blazing, they're going to have weapons, it's going to be a big deal, they're going to knock down walls, they're going to take names, they're going to pillage, you know? And I think their vision of taking over Jericho must have been kind of like a spotlight image. We're going to go in, we're going to look strong, we're going to have weaponry, we're going to overtake them, you know, it's going to look good, God's going to make us look good, we're going to look big and strong, Right? As they as they walk into Jericho, and I have to confess, I heard a preacher talk about this too, and it's what, what brought me to this place. What does God say? God says, "Oh no, no, no! You're just going to go in and take a little walk. That's what you're going to do. And by the way, you're not allowed to talk very much in that walk." Joshua said, "I don't want you to talk. I want you to be quiet. You're only going to talk and shout when I tell you to shout. So you can you imagine these big strong men, armor, weaponry, all of it. They, they want to look big and big. You know, the big ego and the big." Big God, and they're going to look good, and He's going to make them look good and big and strong. Okay, so they have to take a walk seven times, seven different days, with their heads down, real quiet. And I want you to imagine the people on top of that wall making fun of them, spitting that, "Oh yeah, you're a little tough," and then taking a walk. You know, you know what I mean? Um, and, and, And so I thought, man, that must have been a humbling place for them. And they thought, what are we doing? This doesn't look big and good. So they had to walk around that wall seven days with a humble walk, and then finally. They just got to let out a little shout. That's all they got to do, a little old shout, and the walls came crashing down. Because that's the way God works. Jesus was born in a stable for a reason. He didn't waltz in on a white horse with robes and wealth for a reason. God works in the humble places. And I think of my friend Michelle Couchat. I don't know if any of you uh, know who she is, but uh, she wrote a book called Undone. Michelle has been somewhat high-profile. She's spoken at Women of Faith. She, uh, had a po- she's had a podcast that's been quite popular with a man named Michael Hyatt. Uh, you know, she probably thought, I'm going to make a difference for God. I'm in this- we're in the spotlight. I'm going to give good speeches. I'm going gonna- I'm to be out there helping, you know, spread the word for God because here I am up on stage. She's not really a vain person, but I'm thinking somewhere in the back of her mind she must have thought that. Instead, here's what happens. She gets cancer three times, and it's tongue cancer. And so slowly, they have to chip away at her tongue. And the third time, they have to remove two-thirds of her tongue and take parts of her body to rebuild her tongue. Not only that, she has to get chemotherapy on her head, and that's the worst kind of chemotherapy you can have. She said she felt like she was dying every day for six months. She said it was literally hell on earth. She couldn't imagine why God would allow this pain in her life. In the middle of all that, she adopted three foster kids, and there was enormous pain there as well because her biological kids and then she had a mixed family, she had a uh, ugly divorce, and she had a mixed family, so her other kids are, are wondering why these foster kids are taking over, so that's battle of six kids while she's basically dying of cancer until God allows her to live. She said to me in a radio studio a couple months ago, I know it sounds unbelievable, but I now feel honored that God gave me that pain. I now feel honored that I got to walk through that pain because I'm of much more use now to him for anybody out there that needs a little help. I need somebody from a humble position. Here's the thing I've begun to realize. God humbles us so we don't get in his way. If we're willing to get down on our knees and be humbled, if we're willing to have a bad hair day or a humiliating moment, and it's going to help somebody else who thinks, I can't get close to Jesus, that looks too perfect, then it's worth it. If I, if I can, I'm going to speak in a prison in a, in a week and a half. If I can go there from a, from a more humbled position so that I can just get one mom who's a prisoner, to say, okay, he's accessible to me, too. She's not better than me. She's not up higher than me. She's brought down low with me. I can get to God, too. Then it's worth it to be in that humble place, and I want you to know that. I want, you to, I want to give you a little contrast, and I'm getting close to closing. How am I doing? Okay. Um, I, I'm thinking of, this happens to me, and maybe it happens to you. We live in America where things are supposed to look good and big and pretty and skinny and you know all that stuff, um, and by the way, just so you know, so you don't think, well, nice for her to say it's good to be skinny and she gets to be thin. Um, I come from a family of really small people. I'm like the behemoth of my family. My mom's like less than 90 pounds. My dad's like, he weighs less than me. They're just super little tiny people. So I'm, I'm kind of like the Amazon of the family. Um, but, but my point, rather, to say is that we have this image of what we're supposed to be doing, what it's supposed to be looking like, even in the kingdom of God. And when I run a ministry, I'm like, okay, where's the hundred thousand dollars, God? Where where, where is the? How come you know tons of people aren't coming to listen to the show, or how come people aren't asking me all over the nation to speak for them? Where's the big stuff? And He's constantly showing me, sweetheart, if I can put you down here, then you can do so much more for me from there. Instead of like, look at me, I'm Miss America, right? Many more people can identify with me. I was gonna do a foot washing today, but I'm gonna not do that because it's hard to see it up here. I do a contrast in a speech where I try to show people what good we can be in two different places. This is the one Emmy I won in my years on television. My, I have friends who have 30. This is a red carpet, just so you know. <laughs> okay, so there's the red carpet. This is my Emmy. She has a broken wing, which I think God did on purpose. <laughs> just to remind me, it doesn't really matter. Um, I would like it if I can do these two contrasting activities if I could have a little of applause while I take my red carpet walk with my Emmy. Thank you. Okay. Now, usually I get down on my knees and I wash a woman's feet. I want you to picture that for me to get down. I've actually washed Jill's feet once in this speech. Um, God I'll always picks somebody that I'm supposed to. I want you to imagine the difference between me walking. On my red carpet having people applaud me and me getting down on my hands and knees and washing my friend's feet i want you to tell me which would the world say is more important the the emmy right that's what the world would say is more important then what did jesus ask us to do he asked us to do this and it's humbling and some days you may not feel like you're getting ahead and you may not feel like your ministry's growing or what you're doing on your block is growing or you're having one more problem paying another bill or why isn't God coming through for you in big ways? Because, ladies, it's okay to be down on our hands and knees washing somebody's feet because Jesus was good enough for it. So we can do the same thing. And so I wanted to encourage you today that no matter where you feel like you're at, no matter what problem you're having with your health or your finances or your ministry or your looks, whatever it happens to be, it's okay. God's going to work through it. He's going to work through you effectively if you're in that place. And he's had to humble me time and time again so that I can truly do good deeds for people and not come at them from way high up here. Um, I want to show you one last little demonstration, and then I'm done. Okay. Leslie, can you come here? Leslie is a blessing. She's a beautiful person. And by the way, I want to let you know something. God has called me to love on moms. I have a radio show and I have a podcast and we have an outreach ministry. We do a lot of stuff on the ground now too. We've partnered with a lot of other ministries, Love and Respect and uh, Mops and uh, trying to think of a prison ministry and a, and a mentoring ministry and an inner city parenting ministry. So we're, we're trying to reach out to people in whatever way we can, whatever we, we can say to moms in America. It doesn't matter what our popular culture says. Mothering is deeply important to the father. He's counting on you to raise his children well. And it doesn't matter what the spotlight is saying. But there are a lot of precious women out there like Leslie who don't have biological babies. But Leslie mothers anyway. She's an aunt. She's a godmother. And that stuff matters just as much. Frankly, right now, our nation needs everybody to be mothering because we've got problems. And we need all of you to be mothers. So I lift up the women because of what you could, the potential that you have to be mothers, no matter where you are doing that. So, Little Miss Leslie, I want to just give you one last illustration. She's not gonna like this because she won't be able to see to get back down to her seat. Um, This is the spotlight. Little Miss Leslie's gonna be in the spotlight for a moment. When you're in the spotlight, can you see anybody around you? Right. When God calls you to hold the light, can you see anybody around you? ladies, every one of you in this room are called to be light holders. We don't need to be in the spotlight. Be light holders for God. Thank you for asking me to speak for you today. You. Shana's coming out, and she's beautiful, so join her. wow, that is a message that that needs to be heard.